It's 4 o'clock on a Monday, and you know what that means, don't you? It's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. Yeah, baby. Here we go. A new week, a new show. And today we are going to talk about the 11 career-killing habits musicians need to lose. Um... So welcome to the show. Uh, I want to tell you, I cut the heck out of myself shaving this morning, and uh, I, I take a baby aspirin every day, as people my age should, and it makes it harder for the blood to clot. So I've had this thing bleeding, not bleeding all day. So I'm wearing a Band-Aid for the show. Hopefully it stays on there. <laughs> That's a new feature that we, we're always trying to add something exciting. Um, Let's make sure there I am. All right, got it. All systems are go. The audio is a little bit out of sync today. I've been toying with it for the last half an hour. Um, and uh, it's closer, but it's not perfect, right? <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm excited doing these 11 career killing habits musicians need to lose because I spent about four hours working on this uh, Saturday, about three hours working on it yesterday, and about four hours working on it today. So it must be good because I put a lot of work into it. Now, actually, I, you know what? I judge these shows by um, not by how much work I put into it, but by how much I'm learning as I'm prepping the show. So I felt like I learned a lot during this one. And, uh, oh, Jesse says the lip sync looks pretty good there. Yay. Hey, Jesse, good to see you, buddy. Um, and hello, everybody else I know in the, in the thingy, uh, in the chat room. Good to see you. Um, and we are at Criteria Studios, Miami, Florida. That is Studio A, which is probably the room that I worked at the most when I was there. They didn't have the uh, SpongeBob monitors up there that are on either side of me or the video screen in the middle of the room showing the Criteria logo. Um, it looked differently. It was older when I started working there, but I gotta tell you a quick story and then we'll jump right into the show. Uh, my first day there, uh, the guy who was one notch up the ladder from me, uh, his name was Steve Gursky, and uh, rest in peace, Steve. He passed away some years ago. But uh, Gursky gave me a bottle of lemon oil and a Q-tip, and uh, the console was this old 16-input or 20-input black anodized aluminum console made by MCI. There were two of them in the world, one at Atlantic Studios, New York, one at Criteria Studios in Miami. And he said, here's the deal. You're going to clean this console, put a small drop of lemon oil on the Q-tip, and sit there and do this. And I had to clean the entire console like that. And uh, obviously, I couldn't drip any lemon oil into the fader slots or any screw holes or switches, things like that. Um, but he did something that blew me away, which was he pulled out the 16-track safety, which is a one-to-one -one copy of Layla by Derek and the Dominoes that was done there at that studio. Not in that room, I don't believe. I think it was done Studio B. And he put it on the machine uh, and put the auto-locator into auto-repeat mode. And while I sat there for hours, you know, doing this with a Q-tip, I got to move faders around and do my own little remix of Layla, which was pretty incredible, I gotta say. Anyway, if you're not a subscriber to the channel, please subscribe so that you can uh, be part of this community, which is pretty 
awesome. Um, if you like today's show, give us a thumbs up because that makes YouTube like us and I need all the uh, positive reinforcement I can get. Uh, and let's jump right in here. So, do you know that we've been doing Taxi TV, I believe, for almost 14 years? Um, and over that time, I've devoted a considerable amount of time giving you some ideas for good habits that have proved to be highly effective for some of our most successful taxi members. As I was researching more good habits, which I originally planned on doing for the show a couple of weeks ago, um, I had an epiphany, and that is before you work on developing good habits that can drive your success, there are some nasty old bad habits that you need to part company with because they're holding you back. So they can kill your career. Uh, you know, the, the career that you've wanted, most of you have wanted your entire life, bad habits can kill it. And as Stephen Pressfield, uh, author that we all know and love, by the way, uh, where is it? I didn't even know this book was around, a uh, new Pressfield book, Put Your Ass Where Your Heart Wants to Be. Um, I've started reading it, haven't finished it yet. Um, it wasn't to me personally, I hope Steve's not watching the show. He probably doesn't. But we've had him on uh, an episode of Taxi TV for the Road Rally. He was our keynote two years ago, three years ago. Anyway, not as engaging as his other books, which I love. So hopefully it becomes more engaging because he's an incredibly good uh writer and the stuff he comes up with is mind-blowing. Anyway, as Pressfield so elo eloquently said, the difference between an amateur and a professional is in their habits. An amateur has amateur habits. A professional has professional habits. We can never free ourselves from habit, but we can replace bad habits with good ones. That's probably what gave me the idea to do the show about bad habits today. Um, and I was doing more research for this show. Crapola. Let me see if I can do something live while we're on the air today. This is like walking a tightrope over the Grand Canyon without a wire. But you know me. I like to live dangerously. All right. I am going to try. Let's see if this works. It does. Okay. I'm doing tech work live on the show today, ladies and gentlemen. Hang on, I'm dropping in a thing that I want to include in the show. Okay, let's see if this works. Yay, <laughs> not bad. Okay, um, so as I was researching for the show today, I thought of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Why? Because I realized that the more badly we need something, the more willing we'll be to do the work that it requires to make it happen. So let's take a look at those needs laid out in Maslow's hierarchy. Actually, I could probably shrink this a little bit, right? Let me see. Yeah, there we go. Johnny Carson, Dave Letterman didn't have to do this for themselves. But then again, I ain't Johnny Carson and I'm not David Letterman. Anyway, so uh, let's assume that the needs on the bottom two layers of the pyramid, the foundation for which all other needs rest, are met for most of us here today. And obviously those are the physiological needs, which include food, water, warmth, rest, and of course, 
energy drinks. Oops, here, hold on. Maslow forgot this one, energy drinks. Thank you, Abraham Maslow. Anyway, let's go back to that shot. Okay, so um, the, the bottom two layers are food, water, warmth, and rest. Those are physiological needs. And then the safety needs, which are security and safety. But then we get to the third layer up, um, and that's belongingness. <laughs> Is that a word? Belongingness and love uh, are typically comprised of intimate relationships and familial and friendship-based relationships, and those are probably somewhat important to your success in music. But it's the top two layers of the pyramid that really got my attention. These are the needs that I believe will give you the power, the energy, the commitment, the drive, the f and the focus needed to succeed at virtually anything in your life, especially in your career in music. And here's why. Look at that. How Hollywood, right? Um, because, oh, <laughs> I should go back. I'm still talking about Maslow here. So the fourth layer, esteem needs, um, drives feeling of prestige and accomplishment. What musician doesn't like a little prestige and a sense of accomplishment, right? And the fifth layer, that top layer of the hierarchy of human needs is self-actualization, which is achieving one's full potential, including, and, and Abraham Maslow put that in there, I believe, creative activities. Well, if making music ain't creative, what the heck is? So the top two layers of Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of human needs if Maslow is correct, and I believe that he is, should be plenty to, mo you, to motivate you to develop habits that will help you become successful in your music career. So, with that said, while it's great to understand what motivates you to develop good habits, um, did I read that right? So while it's great to understand what motivates you to develop good habits that will motivate you to do the hard work it takes to become successful. Who wrote this stuff? Um, I believe that there's some bad habits that get in the way. Echoing, of course, what uh, Steve Pressfield said. Um, and you need to eliminate those before you can get into the good habits. In his incredible books, The War of Art, Turning Pro, and do the work, Stephen Pressfield gives those bad habits a name, and I know that you guys in the chat room all know the word, because many of you have read this, right? Um, where am I? Resistance. That is, pre he owns that word in, you know, the cerebral cortex of all of our minds, resistance. That is, well, here, I'm going to tell you. Um, I saw an interview that Pressfield did with Marie Forleo, and her concise summation of what Pressfield's resistance is, is Stephen describes resistance as a negative force in the world that keeps you from fulfilling your dreams. I'm going to read that one more time. Stephen describes resistance as a negative force in the world that keeps you from fulfilling your dreams. For example, maybe you want to write a book or start your own business, or completely change careers, but you're worried you don't have enough talent. Ooh, the T word, talent. Or enough time, or people will think it's stupid. We need to just stop. First of all, 
Stephen says that overcoming resistance is more important than talent. This is me talking now, not Marie quoting, or me quoting Marie. Um, Stephen Pressfield says that overcoming resistance is more important than talent. And you know, I've said that on the show and I've gotten some fairly gnarly emails because what I said um, at least three times in the last year, I believe that musicians tend to think, oh, he's more talented I, than I am, or she's more talented than he is. I don't believe that talent has that much to do with it. Yes, there's a certain level of talent that people need to be at. You can't be a complete amateur. But once you kind of get over that line of, wow, he's pretty accomplished, it's not a matter of being, especially in the film and TV world, it's not a matter of being more brilliant than the next person or more talented. Assuming that there's a level of talent there, it's about being having the right piece of music for the right scene at the right time. But that's a whole other episode. Um, in fact, Steve says, uh, where am I? Steve says that many people, oh, I am still quoting. No, I totally lost my place. It's the amateur hour here on Taxi TV today. Welcome to it, folks. Anyway, I do agree with Mr. Pressfield. I think that virtually all songwriters, I am totally butchering this. Pressfield, if you're watching today, now I owe you two rounds of golf. Um, first of all, Stephen says that overcoming resistance is more important than talent. In fact, he says that many people have talent, but few put in the work and actually follow through. If you're struggling with self-doubt, procrastination, ooh, the P word, or just plain self-sabotage, it's time to face your inner resistance once and for all. Okay, that's the end of the quote of Marie Forleo talking about Stephen Pressfield. And I believe that she's actually quoting him in her quote. So I completely agree with Pressfield. I think virtually all songwriters, artists, and composers think that talent is the most important factor in becoming successful. And they fail to realize that overcoming resistance that manifests itself as bad habits is much more important. And here's a quote from a gentleman named John Rampton. I had no idea who he was before Saturday morning, but Entrepreneur Magazine recently recognized him as one of the top 50 most influential marketers in the world. Will I be buying his books? You can bet your butt. So Mr. Rampton says, make no mistake about it, bad habits are called bad for a reason, duh. They kill our productivity and creativity. They slow us down, yep. They hold us back from achieving our goals, absolutely. And they're detrimental to our health. All makes sense. And look, I'm as guilty as the next person when it comes to bad habits. And like all of you, I struggle to overcome them. I am not pontificating from up high today. You know, <laughs> believe me, I've got plenty of bad habits. Uh, for instance, eating Girl Scout cookies as I'm writing this is one of them. So there you go. <laughs> That's definitely a bad habit. Uh, you know, it's so hard to say no to a Girl Scout. You know, I went to two grocery stores on Saturday. One of them, I said, you know, ladies, I'm, I'm trying to cut out sugar and carbs, so here's five bucks. I just gave them five bucks and, and went in the store. When I went to the second store and they were in front of that one, I caved in and I bought some. Oh, well. So let's dive into those 11 bad habits that this show is all about. Um, the first bad habit, damn, I should have had a uh, drumroll sound effect installed today. The first bad habit is not recognizing a bad habit. 
Resistance has a way of covering up, justifying, and rationalizing bad habits. I wrote that, not Pressfield. You impressed, Steve? It's really hard to do the work of eliminating bad habits, but I'm hoping that by making ourselves more aware of the top layers of Mr. Maslow's Pyramid. Where are those layers? There they are. Once again, top layers, esteem needs, prestige and feeling of accomplishment, and self-actualization, achieving one's full potential, including creative activities. So, yep, achieving those two top layers of Maslow's Pyramid, we can find the motivation that we need. So recognizing what your bad habits are is the most important step, and it's the most necessary step, you know? I mean, I've never been to Alcoholics Anonymous. I've never been part of a 12-step program, but isn't the first step admitting that you have a problem? I think there's an analogy here. So as the famous philosopher Lao Tzu said, a journey of a thousand miles must begin with a single step. How many times have you heard that in your life? Maybe it's time to make that first step, recognizing what your bad habits are. So that's it. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to move on to the second bad habit. And that is, ooh, this one's a doozy, blaming other people or external forces for your lack of ability to break those bad habits. In other words, making excuses. Carlos Santana, yes, the great philosopher Carlos Santana may have said it best when he said this, most people don't have that willingness to break bad habits. They have a lot of excuses and they talk like victims. You know, Carlos, if you weren't such an incredible guitar player, I'd say maybe you should think about becoming a philosopher. Um, Seeing yourself as a victim because the universe, other people, the music industry itself, or even taxi screeners haven't recognized how talented you are, puts you in that victim frame of mind. It's not healthy, it's not productive, and it's a bad habit that needs to be dumped if you really want to get ahead in the music industry and your life in general, right? So blaming other people or external forces for your lack of ability to break bad habits that's a bad habit. The third bad habit is giving up too soon. We all know this, right? How can you move forward if you can be stopped by an obstacle? Life is full of obstacles. Every one of us has obstacles in our lives probably on a daily basis, certainly on a weekly basis. Becoming successful in the music industry has a lot of obstacles, that's for sure, but you can't let them stop you. Don't give up too soon. As I've said dozens of times on Taxi TV, the last person on the field always wins the game. I've met so many successful taxi members over the years who've told me that no matter how many times they didn't get a forward, they just kept pushing through until they found the secret sauce that led them to becoming successful. Usually the secret sauce wasn't just one thing, because I know everybody wants it to be just one thing. Ooh, I'm going to, you know, Michael's going to tell me something today, and that one thing is going to change everything. No, it's incremental. It's a series of little things that these members, our successful members, have learned and corrected with each failure. You know what they say, fail often and fail fast. Um, and, and with each failure, they got something more right than wrong the next time. As Thomas Edison said and proved to be true, 
the most certain way to succeed is always to try just one more time. Technically, I think somebody else, was it Tesla? Might have been Tesla. Um, a lot of people nowadays think that Thomas Edison actually didn't invent the first working light bulb, but he did create um, the, or no, Tesla invented AC, right? Alternating current, and I think Edison wanted to go with DC, which meant that you had to have like a substation or a booster station like every two blocks. And eventually he caved in and went with alternating current, which gave you much longer cable runs and the ability to electrify an entire city. Anyway, that's a whole episode on Thomas Edison, and we're not going to do that today. But as Stephen Pressfield, my hero, often says, turning pro is a mindset. If we're struggling with fear, self-sabotage, procrastination, and self-doubt, the problem is we're thinking like amateurs. Amateurs don't show up, he says. Amateurs crap out. Amateurs let adversity defeat them. The pro thinks differently. He shows up, he does his work, and he keeps on trucking no matter what. And that is what the third habit really boils down to is don't let anything stop you from keep on trucking. The fourth bad habit is surrendering to wishful thinking. I mean, who among us hasn't done that, right? Napoleon Hill, great author, famously said, a goal is a dream with a deadline. Going to repeat that for effect. Napoleon Hill famously said, a goal is a dream with a deadline. However, Shark Tank's Robert Hershkovic, I can't pronounce the guy's last name. Hershkovic, yeah, whatever. That sounds good, right? that dude from Shark Tank. He flipped the quote, probably so that he wouldn't be accused of uh, appropriating it. A goal without a deadline is just a dream. <laughs> Having a dream is fine. Stating it as a goal is even better. Stating a specific goal and setting a deadline is the best, and here's why. You need to be motivated to achieve your goal. And having a deadline looming over you, you know, like your mother laying guilt on you, um, can be a pretty strong motivator. Sorry, <clears throat> I need a drink. This kind. Somebody sent me an email about three months ago that I was unprofessional for drinking um, energy drinks on, during the show. Oh, well. I'm sorry, but it's all about the content, not the energy drinks. Wishful eating, speaking of energy drinks, this is great. Wishful thinking is like eating sugary foods. It makes you feel good, but it has no nutritional value whatsoever. Wishful thinking is dreaming. Dreaming is amorphous. Without a specific plan and a deadline, your wishful thinking and dreaming about what you want to accomplish will do absolutely nothing to help you achieve the dream going to repeat that. Without a specific plan and a deadline, <clears throat> your wishful thinking and dreaming about what you want to, want, to, want to accomplish will do nothing to help you achieve that dream. The fifth bad habit is holding on to the dream year after year, maybe even for decades, but never clearly defining the target. Well-defined targets are much easier to hit. It makes so much sense, but you know, it's not the kind of thing that we think about every day. 
So which of these things do you think would serve you better? I want to get my music out there. Okay, so that is the dream. I want to get my music out there. Or is it better to say, I want to be successful with my music? Because that's more specific, I guess. Getting it out there, what does that mean? You know, throwing CDs in your neighbor's yard, putting it up on the internet in what form or fashion. But I want to be successful with my music, more specificity. And then the next level is I want to be successful in film and TV music. So now you're defining the success part and the film and TV, where specifically in the industry. So that's a good thing. Then you develop it further and say, I want to be successful doing instrumental, instrumental film and TV music, right? Not just any kind of film and TV, but specifically instrumental stuff. And then finally, um, clearly defining it by saying, I want to be successful. Uh, I want to be successful doing instrumental film and TV music in the dramedy, tension, and hip-hop genres. Great specificity. You've clearly defined a target, which is what makes it much more likely that you'll actually hit the target. Now you've got something to shoot for. You want to be successful doing instrumental film and TV music in the dramedy, tension, and hip-hop genres. That's pretty darn specific. Um, rather than just merely dreaming about, oh, wouldn't it be awesome to be successful in the music industry? What the heck does that really mean? Um, okay, I'm going to butcher this person's name. I am so sorry. Nobody could pronounce this guy's name except his parents, I'm sure. Rabindranath Tagore. I kid you not. Rabindranath Tagore. I'm a little impressed with myself for getting it that right, said you can't cross the sea merely by standing and staring at the water. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Well, you know, what do you want to cross the water for? Where do you want to go? What's your target? Are, are you sailing from, you know, the UK to New York City? Have a target. The sixth bad habit is not being self-reliant, waiting for somebody else to come along and do the legwork that we believe will make us successful. Here's another tough name. I am so sorry to this person. I have no idea if he's a male, female, or checks the other box. Um, <laughs> Moko Koma Moko <laughs> Moko No Ana Moko No Ana <laughs> That's as good as I'm getting on that one. I'm sorry. If Moko Koma ever watches this show, please don't hold this against me. I can't be the first person that wrestled with pronouncing your name correctly, but I'm sure you're a lovely person. Anyway, he or she said, self-reliance is the highest expression of self-respect. That's a good one. Self-reliance is the highest form of self-respect. Wow. Many creative people have self-doubts. This is me talking. Um, most people have self-doubts, not just creatives, right? If you don't have self-doubts, you're probably not human. Um, but if your self-doubts are stronger than your self-respect, it'll be natural to fear that you don't have what it takes to become successful. If you don't have... If your self-doubts are stronger than your self-respect, it'll be natural to fear that you don't have what it takes to become successful. Instead, you'll form the opinion that your creative output, which in your case is your music, is so good 
that somebody else will see your genius and just drop in out of the sky right into your life and take care of all that businessy stuff like promotion and marketing and sending out deliverables, reviewing contracts, tagging your music, etc. How long are you going to wait for that person to materialize? Because believe me, I know countless musicians that, I, you know, I've been in the industry, I don't know, since 1974, so gosh, almost 50 years, <laughs> scary. Uh, and I've met so many musicians that literally just think, you know, it's all about the music and somebody's going to hear my music and just want to work with me for free because um, I'm not going to pay me anything up front. Maybe I'll give them something on the back end, but they're going to take care of all that stuff for me, reviewing contracts, promoting my music, marketing my music, sending out deliverables, tagging the music, all those little pain-in-the-butt things that stop you from creating your music. But how long are you going to wait for that person to show up? Because trust me when I tell you, I've got friends, friends that I adore, that I love, I respect in many, many ways, but I sit there scratching my head going, dude or dudette or other, what the heck are you, really, after decades of waiting, you still think somebody's going to show up and do that stuff for you? No, get off your butt and do it yourself. Okay? That is a bad habit, thinking that somebody else is going to do it for you. Now, here's a funny one. Do you remember the actor Bradley Whitford? He was in West Wing. Um, he was also in the movie uh, Get Out. He played the young lady's father in the movie Get Out. So Bradley Whitford, who probably isn't, you know, like a leading philosopher, he's an actor. That doesn't mean he's dumb. It's just another gig other than being a philosopher. But he says, and wisely so, infuse your life with action. Don't wait for it to happen. Make it happen. Make your own future. Make your own hope. Make your own love. And whatever your beliefs, honor your Creator, not by passively waiting for grace to come down from upon high, but by doing what you can to make grace happen. Yourself. Do it right now, right here on Earth. Pretty wise words from Bradley Whitford. If you've been waiting for decades for a record label executive or a manager, or a producer, a promoter, an investor, that's a word that you don't hear people say a lot, but musicians will say, oh, you know, I'm waiting for this person. They're going to invest in me. Really? They're just going to shell out like 10 grand, 20 grand, 50 grand, 100 grand to make you happen. How long have you been waiting for that investor? It's not going to happen. Um, and now I've lost my place. Uh, here we go. A producer or whoever you think will drop down from on high and transform your career and make your dreams come true. Just stop it. Stop it now. That's a bad habit that I've seen thousands of times over my nearly 50 years in the industry. And I can't think of one case, not one in all these years. Actually, you know what? I just lied. I looked right in the camera and I lied to you. I remember a band, two brothers from Georgia, whose older brother was part of a marijuana smuggling operation in South Florida, and the older brother paid for the studio time for the younger brothers to make the record. So there's a case where an investor actually came through. But unless you've got a drug smuggler in the family, 
probably not going to happen for you. So stop waiting for somebody else to come along and do the legwork that you believe will make you successful. Get off your butt, dig deep, find the self-confidence in yourself, and do those things. You can make it happen because if you're going to sit around and wait for somebody else to make it happen for you, that's a bad mistake. Big one. It's a bad habit. You get into the habit of thinking that over and over, that you know somebody, a producer, a promoter, a booker, an investor, somebody's going to come along and just love what you do and your life is going to change. The gates are going to open wide. Everything that you've been dreaming about for several decades is just going to change in a minute. Probably not going to happen. Ooh, I should get the chat room back open. Hello, everybody. John Pearson's in the house. <clears throat> Great to see you, JP. <laughs> Wasn't Brad Whitfield in Aerosmith? Yeah, not the same one, I don't think. Okay, the seventh bad habit is listening to old wives' tales. And I'm sure that's a sexist phrase by today's standards, but I'm sorry, it's all over the internet. I'm going with it. So, I used to know a guy named Gene when I was 13 years old and living in a small town in central Illinois. Gene was a musician in a band that played better gigs than my band, the Benjamin Franklin Lightning Rod Society. And I want you to know, I've got a picture of myself playing a gig at like 13 years old in the Benjamin Franklin Lightning Rod Society, but I could not find it on my laptop today, so therefore you're not going to see it on the show. It's pretty damn funny. I was wearing love beads and bell bottoms. It was 1968. Uh, anyway, Gene was a few years older. He had longer hair, which meant you were cool. He had better gear. He had this awesome custom bass amp, you know, K-U-S-T-O-M. The, the amps that were like padded, they looked like tuck and roll um, upholstery from a car seat, usually in some sort of sparkly vinyl stuff. They were really cool looking. I have no idea if they sounded any better, but they looked great. And his, his speaker cabinet was probably about four and a half feet tall. So that made him really cool. Um, he had longer hair, he had better gear, and he had actual groupies. Now, to a 13-year-old boy, you know, and there's the old Gene, and he was like 16 and actually had groupies. Pretty impressive, got to say. He was so cool that all of us younger musicians hung on every word that came out of that guy's mouth. He regularly dispensed old wives' tales about how record companies only want to screw you, how managers are always out there looking for new talent, how much we should get paid, our, our group could, should be getting paid for gigs at, uh, what was, our best paying gig, I believe, was about $100 for playing at a veteran center or something for a Christmas party, and they hated us. They absolutely hated us. Um, anyway, and just, it, Gene would pontificate about every other topic under the music business umbrella. He was cooler than us, so we believed him. He actually believed everything he said. And he probably believed some, everything that some older person told him that was cooler and more established than he was. But of course, none of us checked out any of this information because the internet and Google didn't exist. Where the heck could we look it up? You know, Encyclopedia Britannica or the Chicago Tribune? No, you know, it's like if somebody said something about the industry, you would just go, oh, really? And you believed it. And we all hung on to all those old wives' tales. I, I love um, the one that comes back to 
bother me the most to this day as it relates to taxi is never give up any of your publishing. I wonder how many people have been told that over the last three, four, five decades, never give up your publishing, and they've passed on deals that would have made them a lot of money. I mean, you know, maybe not millions, but tens of thousands, yeah, maybe hundreds of thousands, could be. But somebody in Ottawa, Illinois, which is where I'm from, um, somebody told somebody, never give up your publishing. And, and that's great. So they've still got 100% of their publishing and nothing. Whereas if they gave up some of their publishing to a publisher that was out there working their material, they would be making income from it, hopefully. So I don't know, man, old, old wives' tales. Um, anyway, don't base your uh, decisions, your career decisions and life choices on hand-me-down information that could and might likely be false. Check it out from multiple sources. I'm big on that. I'm a huge fan of multiple sources. When I hear something on the news, doesn't matter which one of the cable news nets I'm watching or if it's a, a you know ABC, NBC, CBS, or Fox, doesn't matter. I want to see it in two or three other places before I believe it's true. And you'll get a little different twist from each of them. And then, you know, like go to the center, take a little bit of this, a little bit of that, look in the middle. That's where the, the reality and the truth probably lie. Anyway, um, base your decision on what appears to be fact-based, not old wives' tales, or as we say today, I've been waiting forever to say this, fake news. <laughs> the eighth bad habit is hanging out with negative people. Woohoo! We've all got negative friends, right? We all know that certain somebody, or maybe several certain somebodies, but negative people are negative for myriad reasons. And none of them, not a single one of those reasons is going to bring any positive values or results to your life or your career. Negative people often have issues with self-loathing and they are the happiest or they are happiest when they bring you down to their level, right? We know that. Misery loves company. Now let's face it, negative people are a time suck. And you need to use every minute of your days effectively to help you create your success in the music industry. Negative people can destroy your self-confidence. Negative people can often be manipulative, destructive, and exhausting. They wear you out. Do you need those things in your life when you're trying to accomplish something? But what you really need is positive energy, right? Uh, so hang out with negative people, <laughs> That's not going to foster any positive energy. Um, politely decline their invitation the next time they ask you to hang out. And for God's sake, <clears throat> don't try to fix them. That's when you're really getting sucked into the vortex, when you recognize somebody's got issues and you're the one, unless you're a qualified psychologist or, or psychiatrist, don't try to fix them. You don't have the time to do it, and you certainly don't have the skill set, and it's just going to take time away from concentrating on what you really need to do, which is concentrate on your career. The ninth bad habit is staying entrenched in your musical comfort zone. Let me repeat that one for effect. The ninth bad habit is staying entrenched in your musical comfort zone. This one doesn't really need much explanation. You all know what I'm talking about. But I will say that one of the most common things I've heard in my 31 years of running taxi is, 
I don't like the music that's out there right now. I don't like what's on the radio. I don't like what I hear on Spotify, whatever. Okay, so are you going to stay stuck in your James Taylor era songwriting style and then blame the industry for your lack of success? Will you blame the public for having more modern taste? Can't blame the public. They like what they like. Styles and consumers' tastes do evolve. Why not you? Going from James Taylor to Vance Joy or Ed Sheeran might not actually be that hard. But if you've succumbed to staying entrenched in your old style, your old musical comfort zone, will you ever know who Vance Joy and Ed Sheeran are? So you can see what makes them more contemporary than James Taylor and then adapt your style so you remain true to who you are musically but in an updated and contemporary sort of way. So think about that one, ponder that one. Do me a personal favor for those of you, cause I get it, man, that James Taylor was my era. If I were a songwriter, you know, it'd be James Taylor, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, early Eagles, all that stuff. That, that would be what is ingrained in my brain and everything I write would probably have some sort of basis in those artists because that stuff is absorbed into your brain and it's what your brain spits back out when you start writing. So the obvious answer to me is break the bad habit of just dissing everything else around you. There are artists out there in the contemporary world that are probably not that far away from that dated style that you feel so comfortable with. Uh, you just have to do a little work, find out who they are, and then figure out, okay, so what is the 20% difference between James Taylor and Vance Joy or James Taylor and an Ed Sheeran? They're not that far apart, but by just routinely and over and over saying, I don't like the music that's out there. You're just cutting what's the cutting off your nose to spite your face. That's the phrase I was looking for. Um, John Pearson says he loves Vance Joy's music, modeling my latest songs after his work. Saturday Sun is great. See, there you go. Four years ago, John Pearson was not having a lot of success. Here we are four years later and he's becoming quite successful. And what is he doing? He's modeling his latest songs after Vance Joy's work. Well, there you go. JP, you're an inspiration to all who know you. Everybody who is stuck in that incredibly bad habit, in that rut of saying, I don't like what's out there today, go listen to some Vance Joy after the show today, all right? Go listen to anybody that is kind of in your ballpark and you're gonna find somebody or several somebodies that you actually like and go, so what are they doing that makes them sound more contemporary than me? Is it a melodic thing? It's probably a rhythmic thing. Um, you know, you don't hear a lot of taka 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 drum turnarounds today. So if you're programming your own drums and you have a lot of taka 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 in there, that's a problem. Get away from it. Why do they even put tom-toms on drum kits these days? Nobody uses them. I've been wondering about that. Think how much money you could save on a drum kit if you bought one without a high tom, mid tom, and a floor tom, right? Okay. And now we are up to the 10th bad habit, and it is not using your time well. 
How much time do you spend on social media and watching TV every day of your life? And I know if my wife is watching this show right now, she's going, who the hell are you to talk, Lasko? You watch plenty of TV, and I do. But uh, she would also admit that I watch TV with my cell phone no more than a foot from my right hand. And as I'm watching TV, I am constantly, I, every show I watch, I'm looking up who the music supervisor is. Um, I am uh, shazamming every piece of music that I hear that I don't know, whether it's a song or an instrumental. And anytime it says there is no match, that probably means it's a piece of library music. So I'm getting a real feel for the industry, how much library music they're using versus big artists they're on record labels versus instrumental. Excuse me. Um, so, guest Deb, if you're watching today's episode, come on, don't give me a hard time. You know when I watch TV, I'm working. Even when I'm watching HGTV. Yep, my wife loves HGTV, and I come home from work, and I make dinner every night but Friday night. But I come home from work, where is my wife? Sneaking a little HGTV on the couch before her hubby gets home. And then I'll eat dinner on a TV table and watch HGTV. Uh, but I do, I listen constantly to the cues and it's amazing, it's so educational. Um, one thing I've learned, which I've mentioned before in Taxi TV is that they are using more songs on shows like that, you know, like uh, the show renovation shows where they go in and they tear out the old stuff and build the new and then do a reveal at the end of the show. The, many of the shows are using one or two songs with lyrics. They didn't used to do that three or four years ago. Anyway, you learn a lot. Um, one year anniversary on BB. I don't know what BB is. I must have missed something in the chat, but you know, I can't read this and read that at the same time. Uh, okay, moving on. Where was I? Uh, okay, so come on, be honest with me and yourself. The average old man, listen carefully to this one. Everybody in the chat room, just take 10 seconds and listen to this. The average American adult spends about three hours per day watching TV. The average American adult also spends over two hours a day on social media. So if you're not doing both simultaneous, like a, simultaneously like a 13-year-old, you're pissing away about five hours a day. You're only awake for like 16 to 18 hours a day. You're pissing away five hours a day watching TV and social media every friggin' day of your life. Now, let's be honest about this. Where would your music career be if you spent five hours a day on writing and recording? No more wham, 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 poor pitiful me. The industry doesn't like me. Taxi doesn't like me. Nobody likes me. I can't get anywhere. The, the world owes me a career in the music industry because I really, really want it. Go back and look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Um, here, I'll give you a refresher. <laughs> Whoops, there it is. Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Self-actualization, achieving one's full potential, including creative activities. If you want that, you would think because it's up there at the top of the pyramid that you should have enough drive to accomplish it, but no, 
the average person spends five hours between TV and social media. Wow. Now, look, I know that TV and social media trigger dopamine. Oh, I'm looking for candy on my desk. I had chocolate-covered coffee beans here a few minutes ago, speaking of dopamine. Uh, anyway, I know that TV and social media trigger dopamine, and they're addictive. But couldn't that be the case for creating music? I, I've watched JP, John Pearson, who's in the chat room right now. I've watched his career trajectory. It, it was going slow. It was frustrating at first. But little bit by little bit, he figured out stuff, and now he's getting great placements all the time. Um, I'm sure that his dopamine level is pretty darn high from the sense of accomplishment and, and the financial reward and the emotional reward that he's getting out of it. Um, where did I leave off? Uh, think about how good you'll feel when you create something, that, a song that sounds like a hit or gets placed in a TV show and heard by your family and friends. That's level two on Maslow's hierarchy. Um, think about how good you'll feel when you walk away from your day job because you're earning more money from making music. How's that for a dopamine rush, right? Imagine being this guy. This is an actual email that we got from a member, I don't know, like a week ago. Um, actually, he's a former member. Um, and his name is David Carlson. He's from Blaine, Minnesota. And this is an exact quote. It's been many years since I've been on the taxi forum. I owe so much to Taxi, and I thought I would take a moment to say thanks with some examples. A company I started with in 2014 because of a Taxi Forward has become a full-time job of writing and scoring many different shows and projects this company is associated with. Not only is the work plentiful, they're the absolute best folks you could ever work with. I don't know if Michael and the gang vet the companies they present to us, we do. We vet them heavily. So you wouldn't believe how much vetting we do sometimes. Thinking of an example last week, um, we've got a new new library coming up on the horizon. And we did, I don't know, probably a 45-minute to an hour-long Zoom um, with three people from that company. It was in Australia. And we all really liked each other. And they're so impressed with Taxi that they're actually making a few little minor changes coming up in the future in their not their business model, but they're making some changes because they recognize the value that Taxi and its members can bring to them. So it was a love fest. They're going to be in town in a couple of weeks. We're going to go out to dinner. Yay us. We vet them. We actually do vet them, David Carlson from Minnesota. Um, anyway, uh, the companies they present to us uh, make sure that they're good folks, but everyone has been so wonderful to write for. In addition, this is David uh, Carlson still talking, another great library I was forwarded to by Taxi about 10 years ago continues to get me wonderful placements from time to time. The latest being in the new Tom Hanks film, A Man Called Otto. How many of you watching this right now wouldn't like to have a placement in a Tom Hanks film? My wife and I just went and saw it, and even though the music is conveniently tucked way, way, way in the background, yeah, that happens a lot, like they always do, he says, it was fun to be in a film with my favorite actor. Thank you, Michael and Taxi. I'm no longer a member simply because your company did such a great job of helping me get connected to the right people. You're the best. No, Dave, you're the best. Thank you for telling us about this. You'd be shocked how many members don't. But you know what? Um, as much as I miss 
not having you as a member, I couldn't be happier that you're not. That's our goal, uh, is to help you get so good that you don't need us anymore. Um, so thank you for letting us know that, and congratulations. Getting a placement in a feature film, no less a Tom Hanks feature film, that's like a life goal right there, and you did it. So that's what we want for every one of our members, um, and getting rid of bad habits is a great place to start. Congratulations, David. And now it's time for the 11th bad habit. And guess what? I want to hear from you guys in the chat. I, I had like four or five extra ones, like not learning from your failure, failures, <clears throat> not recognizing your own inner strength, having unrealistic expectations, dreaming but not acting. They were all kind of related to other stuff I talked about. Oh, not having rituals, because rituals form good habits. Um, Oh, and not recognizing that small accomplishments are greater than big dreams, but I want to hear what you guys have as bad habits or think are bad habits that people should try and jettison so that they can uh, be more successful in the music industry. So spit them out. We've got a little more than a half hour. I make music. I need help getting connected and known. My name is Jonathan. Good job, Jonathan. Very specific. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, not keeping in touch with contacts. Glenn Ruger offered that one up. That's a great one. I'm gonna write that down. Um, we're all guilty of That is such a bad habit. Not keeping in touch with contacts. Absolutely especially the ones that have given you business. Don't pester them, but do send them a holiday card. Send them a birthday card. Send them some unique food. We have members that every now and then send us, like uh, there's one family, really, really nice people, and they started a popcorn company, a flavored popcorn company out of their kitchen. It became a real company, and a couple of times a year, they send us this big box filled with an assortment of their popcorn. We have people that send us cookies from wherever they are, um, whatever like is the specialty food. Greg Carosa just sent us some salsa and these little plastic cups with a peel back foil lid on it. Seriously, the best salsa I've ever had in my life. And he sent us, I don't know, like four boxes of maybe 10 of those little cups in each box um, after the road rally just to say thanks. And I thought, first of all, that was classy. Carosa is a great guy. Um, and he didn't do it to be manipulative, but just by him sending, you know, what I'm guessing that was $20, $30 worth of salsa, maybe. Um, just taking the effort to send it, you know, just getting stuff to the post office, a pain in the butt, or going online to order it and having it drop ship. It was impressive, and it really meant a lot to us, and it was great salsa from, uh, he lives in New Mexico. It was seriously the best salsa I've ever had in my life. And as he said, he and his wife put it on everything. I think I was putting it on cornflakes by the end of the week. So just little things like that. That was a great suggestion. Um, whoever said that? Uh, Glenn, I believe, said that. Um, whoops. I just highlighted the whole damn thing. <laughs> Ken Mesford said, is being late for taxi TV one of the 11 bad habits? Nah, 
okay, let's see what else here. Let's see what other suggestions we got. Uh, people scold you for not following more on Facebook. That's interesting, Betty. Uh, wow. John Pearson says, yes, what a rush to write something you love. Absolutely. It's probably the greatest rush you could have as, as a songwriter. Um, all right, scrolling down, trying not to make it jump. All right, give me some more suggestions for bad habits. Robbie Hancock at the airport. That's not a bad habit. Um Grandmaster UV, I make music, I need help getting connected and known. My name is Jonathan. Jonathan, not to be critical, but that's not the way to go about it. You're making yourself look amateurish. And I don't mean to be so judgmental, but I'm trying to save your life here, dude, or your career at the very least. Um, okay, now I've caught up. There's Glenn Ruger who said, keeping in touch with your contacts, which I think is great. Um, Not reading the brief. Yes, thank you, Tim Harrison. That is the ultimate bad habit for taxi members or people who are pitching to film and TV. Not reading the brief, just looking at the genre, the first sentence or part of the first sentence and go, oh, I've got something that could work for that. Um, kiss of death. Absolutely the kiss of death. Um, overthinking. Definitely a bad habit. Um, I've got to say, I'm blessed that I don't overthink. I don't think I'm intelligent enough to overthink anything. But I do know people that overthink stuff. And it's a time suck. And it also creates kind of a negative spiral. It takes you down a rabbit hole that sometimes, you know, there are some benefits to overthinking stuff. Maybe, you know, a detail that's critical might have been overlooked and you might uncover it. But from where I sit, I would say overthinking is a negative bad habit. So thank you for that one. Um, the 12th career killing habit, being late. Oh yeah. You know, those of us who live in Los Angeles and now pretty much any major city in America, we can always blame traffic for being late for everything. But, um, yeah, it, it just doesn't wear well. It doesn't look good. Being late um, basically is a form of disrespect. I mean, you know, if you're going out to dinner with a close friend and you live in L.A. and you're coming from far away, there's always a traffic issue, although you can wait, you can use Waze now and know exactly when you're going to get there. But um, let's say it's for a business meeting. Let's say you're going to meet uh, a publisher that has expressed interest in you and says, let's meet at Cantor's Deli excuse me, in Los Angeles, and you're going into the city and you show up 10 minutes late for that meeting, basically saying, you don't matter enough to me that I was willing to go whatever, to whatever extent was necessary to make sure I showed up a little bit early for this meeting. Just saying. Um, Bruce Capoferri says, it's a bad habit to get started when I'm tired. 
So you mean starting a, on a music production or writing when you're tired? Sure. Then you could just drink. <laughs> I've got two energy drinks on my desk today. Just drink one of these. Honestly, I don't feel a thing from them. I really truly drink them for the taste and I don't drink as many as it looks like I drink. Um, but yeah, drink coffee or, or just, you know, don't start when you're tired. Um, Ken Messford says it's a bad habit not finishing things to the point where I know it could or should be. Really? That surprises me about you, Ken. I mean, I didn't actually meet you in person until the road rally, and it was quite a pleasure to meet you in person. Um, but we've gotten to know each other through the chat room from the quarantini days. And uh, anybody who can crack jokes like you surprises me that you don't finish things to where they should be. Interesting. Um, Pierre Venio says, it's a bad habit not having enough collaboration friends. Yeah, so there, there's the positive, the flip side of the bad habit is the good habit would be make a commitment that's comfortable and achievable for you and realistic. But a good habit might be that once a month, you're going to identify somebody you'd like to collaborate with by going on the Taxi Forum, which you can get to at forums.taxi.com and see somebody that you'd like to collaborate with. You've listened to their music, um, you're in a similar ballpark or they do something that you wish you could do more of. They have a strength that you don't. You have a strength that they don't. Reach out once a month and say, hey, what do you think about collaborating? I think that that's a great suggestion. Good going, Pierre. Uh, oh, crap. <laughs> oh, Greg Carosa just pointed one out. Greg, you know, I feel close with Greg. We've literally gotten along well since the moment we first talked to each other. We've become friends. I think it's safe to say I could call Greg for social stuff, you know, um, which is case actually for a lot of you guys, which I, I feel pretty honored to own a company where my customers have become my friends. But Carosa says, where the hell did it go? Uh, bad habit, working on what's easy instead of what's urgent. Wow. I am the king of that, Greg. Apparently you might be as well work a bad habit, working on what's easy instead of what's urgent. Yeah. And we know why we do it. It's because it's easy. You want to have some sense of accomplishment, some forward movement, um, but you don't want to tackle the hard thing. <laughs> Hold on. I've got props. In preparation for this show two weeks ago, I bought the power of habit, do hard things, and the willpower instinct. And I went through all three of those books looking for little gems. And there were a couple of them that made it into today's shows, but I probably dropped about $75 on those three books. I don't feel like I got my 75 bucks worth, but, um, one of the books actually did say that it's a normal process that human beings go through. You know, we, um, 
we look for the easy way out. We want some sense of accomplishment, but we also don't want to work too hard at it. <laughs> Do hard things. Um, so we accomplish something, which is the easy thing, and go, well, at least I did that, right? Oh, Carosa, you and I need to hang out more. Man, if we lived in the same town, the two of us would be sitting on a couch eating pizza all the time just talking about stuff, not actually getting any work. Now, it's actually better that we don't live in the same town. All right, let's keep this train of moving ahead. Train, bad form of transportation to reference lately, right? Um, Jay Brunell says, thinking you're full of bad habits, you're alive. Every little thing you do is great. Um, I got to think more about that one. Honestly, I, I would like to be seeing the world through those rose-colored glasses, but we are all full of bad habits. And yes, we are all alive. Um, every little thing you do is great. Well, for somebody that is a serial killer, I'm not going to say every little thing that person does is great or maybe a drug addict or an alcoholic. No, you know, being addicted to something, that ain't great. That's definitely a bad habit. Um, not that I'm judging, but, you know, maybe taking inventory of all the positive stuff in your life is a good thing. And yes, appreciating the fact that you are alive because we do have a very limited time in the grand scheme of the universe. Blink of an eye, right? Um, Mark Wiggins, uh, also, you can also leave early to arrive on time. Yes, talking about being late. I, I completely agree with that. You know, my wife and I are very different people when it comes to going to the airport. Um, I like to stick in an extra 15 minutes to a half an hour in the drive, even though I'm looking at Waze and Waze tells me, here's the time you have to leave to get to the airport an hour and a half before your flight. But it's Los Angeles. It's a freeway. Hundreds of thousands of cars. There could be an accident. I could have a flat tire. A million, well, maybe a dozen little things could prevent you, even though Waze has told you to leave at, you know, 7.35 a.m. to get there at 9.02 a.m. There could be a problem. So I like to leave a little early. My wife, on the other hand, will look at Waze and go, Deb, you're not watching, right? I hope she's not watching the show because I'm in big trouble. Um, Deb will look at, at Waze and go, it says to leave at 7.35. And she will walk out the door at 7.35. Um, but if there's anything that goes awry, she's screwed. We're different. So it makes the world go around. Somehow the marriage is healthy, even though we both have a very different take on airport departure times. Um... <laughs> Zen Chief Engineer says, whoops, I think that was my wife texting me just then. Let's see. Nope. But I did turn off. I forgot to turn off my ringer. That was one of my daughters texting. Um, okay. Uh, not having a set schedule. That is great. That's a great habit to be in. Um, Brandon Purcell, 
one of our top 10% most successful taxi members. He is living the dream, and he hasn't been a member for all that many years. He's been a member for, I don't know, maybe seven or eight years, I'm guessing. But Randon Purcell, he's, I think they've got three or four boys in their family, you know, little rambunctious boys that require a lot of attention and like, don't forget to bring your blah to school today, all that kind of stuff, scrambling in the morning. Randon Purcell gets up at 4.30 a.m. so that he can get two and a half hours worth of music work done before his family wakes up and comes downstairs for breakfast. That guy has his act together. There is a set schedule of the greatest. And you know what? All the success he's having, he deserves every bit of it. Anybody who gets up at 4.30 in the morning, that is like the epitome of a good habit. Um, yeah, my hat is off to you, Randon. Um, Ken Messford says, Randon is a cool dude. And Zen Chief Engineer says, I do the same thing. And Grandmaster UV says, Michael Lasko, with a bunch of exclamation points in all caps. Dude, you're killing me here. Um, <laughs> Mesford says, Randon might be afraid that, or concerned that his music might frighten his family. <laughs> uh, Holland Nelson says, 4.30 a.m. is where the best ideas come for music. Um, I'm not so, maybe in your world. <laughs> Oh, man. I, there are times where I'll get up at 4.30 in the morning, like catch a flight or pick somebody up uh, at the airport. But I, I don't know that I'm even capable of having a cogent idea at that time. <laughs> Gloria Covington responding to Grandmaster UV. <laughs> uh Oh, this is good from Scott Alexander. His, his father used to say uh, to him, it's better to be one hour early than one minute late. That is great. Nancy Collell says, a bad habit is listening to your inner critic. That was actually one of the things that I saw and I thought about, and I didn't include it in the show today because it got too much into psychological stuff that I didn't feel qualified to have an opinion on or any suggestions. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. Listening to your inner critic, it can sabotage your create your creativity. Yep, send you down a rabbit hole, and before you know it, you have overthunk something to the point where you've lost the momentum of the idea, and it, it kills it. You're absolutely right, Nance. Um, okay, Grandmaster, behave yourself. I'm scrolling up now, looking at your stuff. Liz, if Grandmaster can't behave him or herself, um, feel free to permanently block them. Uh, it was funny at first. It's not funny anymore, and it's not professional. Um, Jay Brunel says, think positive. I'm good at that one, Carosa says pizza. Yeah. Um, any advice for people who are green that come into this business? Um, yeah, recognize that it is a business, that it is at the intersection of creativity and business. 
Most musicians, in my personal observation, having been in the industry for close to 50 years, is that there is this misconception out there that talent wins. Maybe talent will win. You know what? I was going to say, I was thinking of a friend of mine named Sean Hurwitz, who is a guitar slinger for hire that plays with major acts on the road, some really big major acts. And I once asked him, we were having lunch, and I said something about, you know, when, when you go for an audition, what is it that makes them decide that you're the person to fill that slot? And preparation was something he mentioned, you know, knowing all the songs, obviously, whatever band, um, what's the band that does Hey Now You're a Rockstar? I don't know why I can never think of the band's name, but that's the band he, he plays in most of the time, but he's also done like world tours, like all over the world with Enrique Iglesias and some other acts. Anyway, um, I'm losing my own uh, smash mouth. Thank you. Um, what do you mean you're leaving, Carosa? Get back here. Get back in the room. <laughs> Smash mouth. Okay. So I was talking to Sean Hurwitz about what it's like to go for an audition at that level, some of the acts he, he works with. And I got the impression that a certain amount of the decision made on who they're going to pick, they assume that you're going to be a, a great guitar player um, or you wouldn't have shown up or you wouldn't have even gotten recommended to show up because usually it's by recommendations, not necessarily a, a cattle call situation. Um, and they assume that you're going to know the songs because if you haven't learned every one of their songs before you show up, you're not a professional. So in the end, it comes down to the vibe. How do they feel about you? Are you somebody they'd want to be on a stage with every night for you know nine months out of the year? Are you somebody that they would want to be on the same floor in a hotel with? Um, are you somebody they'd want to be on the tour bus with? Um, all those things. Are you going to bring something positive, positive energy to the mix? Or are you going to be somebody who's a negative Nancy, sorry, Nancy Colau, um, or, you know, kind of an energy drain on the whole situation. So it's not just about talent. It's about preparation. It's about personality. It's about being a professional. It's all those things. Um, Larry Receive, uh, That's a good question. Uh, we actually talked about this in the office the other day. I was discussing this in the hallway with somebody. For weeks now, there have been very few instrumental listings available to regular taxi members in a daily listings. Well, regular taxi members, he means people who haven't signed up for dispatch, uh, ever see, again, more instrumentals available to them? Uh, the answer is yes. All these things are, I don't want to say seasonal, but they're cyclical. Um, you know, sometimes we'll go for several months and have very few orchestral listings. You know, we could have tons of other instrumental listings, very few orchestrals. Um, so absolutely just know that we don't control it, but we try to, to the best of our ability. Um, this is why it was being discussed in the hallway the other day. If we don't see a lot of a certain kind of listing that we know our members like submitting to, We'll reach out to companies and say, hey, uh, we noticed that, for instance, your orchestrals were sounding a little dated sounding because the sample libraries used in them were probably like from 10 years ago. 
um, do you want to freshen up that? We can run some listings for you. So yes, just know that, uh, yes, the answer is yes. I can't tell you exactly when, but uh, probably soon, because every time we notice something has gotten skinny in a particular genre is if the universe has heard us talking about it, poof, they show up. So there's hope. But thanks for asking about that. Um, Dan Weber says, I guess you could do a whole show about people who come in green to this business. Absolutely. Um, Larry says, thanks very much for your explanation and all of your help. Um, anyway, it looks like we've run out of other suggestions for bad habits that musicians should jettison. So let's end the show a little bit early today. Um, we're going to do something really fun that we haven't done in a while. Next week, we are going to do forward or return. I don't know which listing we're going to do it for yet, but for those of you who are unfamiliar, we take a, a recent taxi listing, typically in a genre that was pretty popular and got a lot of submissions, and we play um, typically, I think, about a dozen to 15 different tracks or songs. And we have you guys vote on, would you forward this? We read the listing first, then we play the music. We don't identify who the people are that created the music because we don't want anybody's feelings to be hurt. Um, and we do make sure that all the music that's played on the show is marked as public on their taxi member page. And you guys decide, would you forward it or would you return it? And we get rave reviews on those shows because people... Um, find it much easier to judge other people's music and it fine tunes their ears and they go, wow, you know, by listening to other people's music and making that hot seat decision, would I forward it or not? Um, I found that I was much better able to judge my own music as I was creating it and deciding whether or not it was right for listing. So please, please, please show up for next week's show. If you haven't already, um, done it, give us a like, the big thumbs up. If you're not a subscriber to our channel, please subscribe. Um, wow. Uh, tornadoes in Arkansas. Is Marion Laird in Arkansas? I didn't know that. Um, yes, everybody, please hit the like button. You're right. Marion's not here today. Where is Marion? Marion is a longtime regular of the show who has taken on the mantle of being um, kind of like the school marm, telling everybody, make sure you like the show. Give us a thumbs up. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm really, really glad you guys uh, showed up for this today. I did put a lot of work into it, but that's because I care. Um, we want to give you guys every possible advantage in, in building a career that you've dreamed about your whole life. And it is much more than just talent. So thanks very much, um, and I will see you next week for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. Bye-bye.